everyone. I'm Laura Gray with Restorative Equity Podcast. Um, and I am here with Desiree. How do you say your last name, Desiree? Charrier. Charrier, who is my stylist in Cedar Rapids. And she is a phenomenal stylist. So I'm here. She's my special guest. And I'm going to ask her some questions. Um, and so, Desiree, thank you for joining I'm wondering if you can tell me what brought you to Iowa, because I know you're from Chicago, right? So tell us a little bit about that. What brought you to Iowa, and how's um, Iowa in, in regards to like racial justice, social justice in your mind? Um, what brought me to Iowa was being in love with a man that I'm currently still in love with. Okay. We met when I was in Chicago, and we started dating for about a year, and then we decided that I would move here, and that was in 2018, and so that's how I got here, and I like it a lot compared to Chicago because it's a lot peace more. It's a lot more peaceful. Um, there's no traffic. That's my favorite part. It takes 10 or 15 minutes to get anywhere in Cedar Rapids, where it takes forever in Chicago. Um, what was your other question? So, like, in regards to, like, like you know, because the name of the podcast is, like, Restorative Equity, and I talk about race relations and, um, uh, you know, and forgiveness and those sorts of things. So, like, had, well, let me ask you this. Have you, had you... Uh, experienced any like racism in Chicago before you moved back this way? Um, I probably experienced one uh, instance of racism when I was um, in my 20s and we were um, hanging out, we were going to the club and um, I guess it was like some like I don't know it seemed like it was like some sort of like hidden club I don't think it was a private club because when we went to the door the bouncer didn't say it was private he just told us that we couldn't get in it was predominantly like white patrons going in and I think because we were all black girls in the way that we looked it was just like he was looking at us like y'all not coming in here and he didn't like he was just like um, I forget what he said. I just know that he turned us down, but he was still letting other people in. It wasn't, he didn't say it was packed. He didn't say you're not on the VIP list. He just said that, you know, um, he can't let us in or something like that. Oh, wow. And so, um, that was like really my only time experiencing some sort of like discrimination or racism or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I have like, you, the people in Chicago, some white people in Chicago, you get this, they have this demeanor mm-hmm. where it's like, you can tell that they can be uncomfortable around black people or that they like kind of look at you like, like it's kind of, it's almost like, like, what are you doing here? Like, this is kind of like our, this is what we're doing. Like, how can you afford to eat at this restaurant? It's kind of like, it, they don't say it. They kind of ignore you. But you can, like, tell sometimes the way that they look at you or, you know, whatever. You just get that vibe. <clears throat> but, like, when I'm here in Iowa, I don't feel that way. Like, when I first got here, um, 
the guy that I'm dating, we went to like a few different venues, events. He knew somebody, somebody opened a restaurant and we went to the tasting and um, it was all white people there. We were the only black people there. And I don't know if they were just extra curious about, you know, these two black people that are here with them, but they were extra friendly. They were very nice. And so they were very open to talking to us. They didn't like shut us out. They, you know, introduced themselves. They wanted to know who we were, where we're from, you know, stuff like that. They were very like, um, friendly, but like, I just feel like when you're in Chicago, it doesn't, <clears throat> at least I've never experienced a time where I've been somewhere where there's like mostly white people and there's just an event and they just come up to you and start talking to you and like having a conversation and want to get to know you or just curious or whatever, curious enough to ask, curious enough, curious enough to have a conversation. So I think that's a good point. I was telling someone else that um, the difference, like when I think about the racism that I've encountered in Chicago versus here. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, some of the situations that I've been in, in Chicago is like, it helps me understand that, you know, people know what to say. So they, they're not going to say the N word or they're not, you know, mm-hmm. but they were really particular about just not engaging. So mm-hmm. that piece that you said about like, kind of like the segregation part mm-hmm. is so true. And what's crazy though, is like, you know, how the neighborhoods are, like you can go, you know, two, two, three block radius and it's all, you know, white or no people of color in that particular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You go one block down or right across the street and then you'll see pockets of people of color. So like there are these segregated places, really segregated, segregated places. Segregated neighborhoods. Neighborhoods for yes. sure. And and even restaurants and so, you know, people, they just kind of know where to go, whatever to stay. I guess, quote unquote, with their own, mm-hmm. but it's kind of different from here where you're right. There's this piece of, I, I call it Iowa nice, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, uh, you know, people have different definitions for Iowa nice, but I call Iowa nice the, you know, people put front facing with friendliness. Mm-hmm. Um, just in some of my experiences, what's behind the front facing isn't always really friendly right. um, or nice, even though they call it Iowa nice. So, right. Um, but no, that's, I, I totally agree with that, that difference. And so like, I know that you're, so you're a boss, you have your own business, you know, even your, your partner has, um, his own business and you all are doing your thing at, in Cedar Rapids. Have you all encountered any like type of, um, uh, um, like, I don't know, like discrimination or barriers in your being an entrepreneur in, in Cedar Rapids. Absolutely not. And then this is something that you could always talk to my um, teacher about because he talks about this often. He always talks about how like when he decided to open a business here, he has a convenience store and like how like his friends or family or people in Chicago would tell him like, oh, watch out for those white people. They don't want to see you get ahead. Like they, they're not going to help you. Like don't go for them. You got to figure it out on your own. But when he got here or when he started trying to open relationships or, you know, go into banks and talk to people, whatever it was that he was doing, he never got shut down by nobody. Oh, wow. They were white people are always going to help him. As a matter of fact, he always said that it was black people who always seem like they want something in return or they can't mm-hmm. help or they don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. The white people didn't, uh, if a white person that he was talking to didn't have the information that he wanted, that he said that, oh, well, hold on, let me get you in contact with this person because this person knows. Like, they're always willing to help. They're not, like, trying to shut you down or block you from doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's nice. just like a, I don't know what you call it, like a, 
a bad myth or something that white people at least here in Iowa from his experience like my experience I haven't experienced anybody trying to stop me from doing anything or showing me any discrimin uh, discrimination for anything that I wanted to do like I haven't I haven't had that so I mean his is on a different scale because he's like working with like banks and having relationships with them and like doing a lot of stuff so um he's had a lot of, a little bit more experience with any areas where someone would want to shut you like you know how you see in the movies like oh this banker doesn't want this black family to get this house in this neighborhood mm-hmm. so they're gonna try to not approve them or something like that you know yeah. like no it, it hasn't been like that at all awesome and I'm 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 wondering because when you say it I'm thinking like yes like and I'm thinking about all of the um people who are white who've helped me along the way or have mm-hmm. tried to like you know support or you know bring different resources or guide me in, in different ways with my entrepreneurship mm-hmm. so I, I definitely agree with that piece I'm wondering do you think that it's because you all are a certain quote-unquote type of black well, what do you mean like black? <laughs> <laughs> you're entrepreneurs mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like you are you know you have businesses you all are you know focused on a particular thing you go you know Montice goes into a bank he shows up a certain way um, he has which is sweats and a hoodie. He don't go in there no damn suit and tie. Okay? That part I hear, I hear you, <laughs> but he can't go in there with nothing. Do no. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, but, yeah, um, I understand that because I, I, I definitely understand what you mean because even like me being a black person, even though I'm light skin, people look at me and be like, "Are you black or what are you?" But yes, I am. So I mean, I understand that you know you can look at somebody and feel like they're a certain type of black person they're not that threatening oh she's not all the way black or this is a thug type of black person or he might be looking for trouble so I understand like people look at different black people like that and like I would say like no we we don't probably look like the type of black people you might feel like oh they might be a threat but so I mean that's interesting that you say that because I never really thought about that and who knows that could be a reason why we've never had that issue so I mean I don't know but shit I I mean I don't know (laughs) that's a good ass question like I never really considered because I just think of myself as a black person I never considered like oh I'm probably a a unwelcoming black person I never thought of Mm -hmm. someone looking at me like that so I don't know I'm thinking about like some of the experiences I've had at the High B um, in Coralville, or um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just for example, I've had you know just different stairs or kind of like stairs with a wondering, and then people mm-hmm. you know want to know what I do, or mm-hmm. you know, like, I think trying to figure out okay because I like I've said this before, I I feel like there's only two classes of of people of color in the corridor um and i'm saying that not that that's true necessarily but that's all people see predominantly so like either they feel like you're on section eight or you know um or you're working the factories or um not working at all um or that you're a doctor at the 
university mm-hmm. or a professor at the university, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're kind of like the university town. So, like, it's right. like either or. Like, they don't see the day-to-day nurse enough right. of color, you know, or um, they're not thinking about the beauticians of color. They're not thinking right. about um, the teachers because mm-hmm. they don't see enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right. even for people of color, I, and they've, I've had this conversation with people, they, it's like, which, you know, like, which are you? You know, mm-hmm. so people are always... I feel like, you know, people read when they don't read, right? They're right. reading a room, reading people, so on and so forth. The looks that I get sometimes in different, you know, cities around the corridor are mm-hmm. like, okay, depending on how I'm dressed, depending on, right. you know, what's, what's going on or how my hair is, it's kind of right. like, hmm, yeah. which one are you? You know, um, and I've had, uh, I remember even be, being a building principal, I had uh, a grandparent, one of the grandparents of, of one of my, my students, mm-hmm. say he he thought I was jumping the line. I, I You know, I'm the building principal. Right. It was like a music concert. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't jumping the line. I was step standing behind a couple of students to tell them, hey, y'all are getting a little rowdy, you know, before you right. go into the auditorium, calm down. Right. And so this grandparent, he didn't recognize me. I guess he didn't know me. Right. And he said, well, you know, Hey, you cut you cut in front of me, and he was like, "We don't do that here in Iowa. We don't do that here." Oh wow! And then like, go back from where you came. You know, and I'm, right. in my mind, I'm thinking I could have been born and raised here. Like, you don't right. know. There are many uh, people of color who are right. born and raised in Corridor, but like people see you, they see, oh, this person came from Chicago, right? That's right. always the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole theme of like, we don't do that here, or you're messing up the great state right. of Iowa. Exactly. Um, is reserved, I think, for certain types of mm-hmm. people of color or black people. Like that. So, like, when I say type, like, there's that piece where they're like, hmm, is this person contributing or in their in their minds, this person isn't, and, you know. Right. Um, I don't know. So, like, you know, I know that you are raising a super beautiful daughter. Thank you. Named Tegan. And um, so, so full of personality and just beautiful, just magical. And um, I know she's going to do great things. My question to you, mm-hmm. as a new mother, as a brand new mom, mm-hmm. um, what will you tell Tegan about race, race relations? Um, or do you have any concerns about about that? You know, that's not something that I've uh, really considered because I guess where I grew up, we didn't have to have those conversations because we grew up in a, a black neighborhood. There were some, I mean, well, actually it was a mixed neighborhood. It was, it's Hyde Park in Chicago. It's the university neighborhood, plenty of white people. And you know, there was, we, it was mostly black kids at our school, but we had blacks, whites, Asians, Mexicans, but it was predominantly black. But so we didn't, I didn't have to grow up with that um, conversation. So it's never really crossed my mind to have that conversation um but i feel like because iowa is such a melting pot of people and like all the kids here it's plenty of it's a i don't think it's an equal ratio but there's plenty of blacks and whites that go to these schools that they're around each other enough where i feel like they're kind of almost more accepting of each other like now because they're growing up with each other from little kids on up when you're, you know, when you're here in Iowa and it's, it's a, um, it's not, I'm not going to say, I don't think it's segregated, um, maybe more so by class than it is 
race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that like raising Tegan here has probably I feel like it's not gonna be as hard. It's probably gonna be easier, especially um, being able to raise her in more safer neighborhoods. And you don't have to have like um, you don't have to worry about her growing up being around like gangs or being around bad influences and I'm not saying they don't have bad influences here because they definitely do have bullies and you know all that type of stuff but I just don't feel like the conversation I feel like it it can be addressed as it comes maybe but I don't know like I've never been a parent and so I've never thought about that stuff but I just don't have that worry I feel like it's safe enough or it's mixed enough it's integrated enough where people are the kids are accepting and they're they're used to having black and white friends like I was sitting in the parking lot um the other day and it was like a homecoming for a school and you just see all these kids falling into the restaurant and I just noticed like it was one black girl in like the pool of like all these white kids and it's just like to me it kind of felt like it was like a little odd but like to them that's that's natural it's that's what they grew up with, their their friends, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, but you know <clears throat> so I mean I don't know, I just feel like it's not anything that I have to worry about right now. I just feel like it'll be okay. So I will say, well who taught you about being proud of your blackness? Um I think my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh and honestly I can't even remember everything I mean she taught me a little bit but then like growing up in in, in, uh, being into social media and and seeing other like uh, I guess I would say light skinned people because obviously when I was a kid I was bullied for being light skinned I was like the light skinned um, the lightest girl not the lightest girl at school but one of them people would call me white girl Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I used to hate being called white. So very early, I embraced being black anyway because I didn't like being called white. And I knew that I wasn't. Like, my dad, he's dark-skinned. My mom is just light. And <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't like being an outcast. So it was, like, easy for me to be proud to be black anyway. Oh, let's rinse this out. Mm-hmm. So we're headed to the shampoo bowl, getting this color together. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, okay, so your mom taught you about being proud to be black and you kind of got some on your own from having to like, you know, not let people make you feel away, mm-hmm. you know, about your your color, your, you know, that you're light-skinned black. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I, I remember getting bullied for... They said we thought we were white. (laughs) My cousins and I, yes. Even though I'm brown skinned, they said we acted. Mm. Like, so like, um, or talked. Like, uh, you know, yes, yes, we use the king's language in my my family. Uh, But we also used, you know, Ebonics too. But Mm. for the most part, because, you know, we showed up pretty astute. They try to associate that with whiteness, which is a problem right. all on its own. But yes. I, re- I recall being bullied for for Talking that as well. Why I did too. For oh, you think you're white or you sound white, but really no, it's you're talking proper English. And then why do you have to be bullied or talked about because you 
you know, you enunciate or, you know, you right. <laughs> No, that makes sense. So some other thing that I was wondering is, you know, when you talked about you'll kind of do it as it comes, you know, in regards to like talking to uh, Tegan about race. I mean, I'm not saying that I won't ever talk to her about it, but I don't feel like I have to instill in her right now. Maybe when she's a little bit older, but right now, because I feel like kids, they grow up based off what you show them. And if you like teach them at a younger age, like, oh, you know, these are our enemies or these people have always um, oppressed us or this is how it is, then you kind of like instill kind of a small hatred in your kid for this for these other people. And if you just raise them based on like people are people, this is how it should be, then I feel like they won't grow up with no ill will towards anybody else. But if you constantly like have to beat in them like this is this this is what it was and this is how it is and I mean not how it is because you definitely should show them how it is but this is how it was and this is how you should feel or this is what you should look out for I feel like then it's kind of like you're you're building that that separation already but if something happens and then you can like you know explain like okay this is I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want to just instill in her, like, from the get-go, like, you know. Like, like that there's a deficit or that she needs to, like, or that she needs to feel inferior. Exactly. Or, or anything like that. I just, you know, if something happens, I can, you know, break down the history. If that conversation hasn't already come up in, in school or whatever. Oops, sorry. Um. <laughs> like, that's hot. <laughs> I just, I don't want to start off with you know um making it a thing where you have to look at your neighbor a certain way um I just feel like that's how it all starts you know I feel like that's how people become enemies is because you have someone telling them like these people are bad this is what they do this is how they treat you I mean I'm not saying that she shouldn't know the history. I just don't want to try to enforce a negative aspect of people. If that makes sense. I get what you're saying. I'm, I wonder, would you feel the same if you had a, a boy? A boy? Yeah. I probably would not. And then, because, you know, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I, you know, and I don't know what age is the right age to even think about having those types of conversations. I mean, you know, I grew up in on the south side of Chicago, so I know you said you went to Hyde Park. Was your was your elementary school um, uh, diverse or was it uh, all no, black? No, it was, it was diverse. So like, it wasn't, it wasn't super diverse, but it was diverse. Okay. So like my I went to William H. Ryder on the south side of Chicago that was all black, except for a couple of like a sprinkle of a couple of, you know, white right. teachers. And then I went to a diverse high school, which was Bogan um, High School on 79th. Um, but my going to a predominant like a, a predominantly black elementary school shaped who I was, I think. That part and then my family just really pointing out 
um, inequities or pointing out like this is how the world is, but you're this, like really instilling a lot of black pride. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was really awesome. And me, especially before I went to that school that was more diverse and like everyone kind of knew who they were. Like I was right. glad that I had a sense of like, okay, I know, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. But I see that missing in Iowa schools. And I'm, I'm not saying that parents aren't instilling um, a sense of pride in their, in their kiddos. Mm-hmm. I am saying that um, because a lot of times our students are the only ones. So kind of like the, the young lady you saw at the parade. Um, oftentimes, you know, unless it's a special circumstance where there are some schools where it's predominantly, you know, black, mm-hmm. that's very few far and in between in Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. So most times the students of color are going to be like the only one or there yeah. might only be two or three and right. a whole class of white students. Mm-hmm. Learning about slavery and hard history, things that, that really happen in a space with, with people who don't predominantly look like you, that sound that fit that like that sounds unsafe to me. You know? <laughs> so like you know what Well I'm, I'm not saying like don't raise her with a sense of pride or anything, but I'm just talking about okay, so <clears throat> like you know how and this is just me like on the outside looking in like this is how I feel what I've seen like scenarios movies like videos on Instagram how like there are white people who raise their children to call black people niggers yeah. or like look this is you gotta learn how to shoot a gun so you can you know mm-hmm. be this and be that and I'm just saying like I don't want to raise my baby as feeling like um you have to hate these people who in this day and age have not done anything to you but it's okay to know the history Mm -hmm. but I just don't want to like make her feel that she has to be this person that has to feel a certain type of way about you know anybody that she's going to school with because you can genuinely have real friends Mm -hmm. of opposite races or different races and not feel no type of way about them it's like you see um videos like I saw this video of these two like white kid and black kid they saw each other they ran up they were babies they hugged each other like there was no ill will and I feel like you get taught how to dislike somebody else yeah like that's not naturally in you yes and so all I'm saying is I don't want to try I don't I want her to know the history but I don't want to teach her like these are your ultimate enemies because at the end of the day that's what the world is saying like these white people are always going to be our enemies because this is what they did to us you know these years ago and I mean although there's still like very much so racism I don't I don't want her to grow up at a young age feeling like you know she has to be on the fence but Mm -hmm. at a certain age yes I do want to show her like or teach her about you know what is done and what to look out for. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've got it all wrong, but no, I, I definitely just, understand what you're saying. It's definitely tiring that this, that in this day and age, but we still have all of this racism. You know, people still feel a certain type of uh, way about black people, what white people do. I mean, it's tiring, and I'm just, you know, I don't know. So what age do you think you might even start to... And I'm not saying the negative, like like, like teaching her to hate white people. I, I agree with what you're saying about, you know, planting seeds of hate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That not being productive. 
Yeah. Um, but you know, just the history, like just saying this happened, you know, or what, what age do you think that's appropriate? And I'm asking because I had a parent really be really adamant that mm-hmm. she didn't want her, her sixth, her fifth or sixth grader mm-hmm. learning about slavery. Like mm-hmm. she, that she didn't teach them about slavery. She didn't want anyone else teaching them about slavery. Mm-hmm. She felt like that that's only appropriate at like ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And that's so different from the experience I had because mm-hmm. we learned about civil rights movement, you know, in elementary school. Right. Now, granted, what, again, like or oh, like, like probably like third or fourth. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was young. It was young. And then, you know, my family would still watch movies, you know, like, right. you know, different civil rights movies or things that were related to what happened in the past or, you mm-hmm. know, so on and so forth. Um so it was, you know, kind of like always around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I know that a lot of times these students won't get it until like fifth grade, and and mm-hmm. I will like that's just a part of the curriculum. Like it comes up right. around fifth. So I'm I'm wondering what age like do you want the school to introduce that first, or what age are you thinking about having that conversation with Tegan? I feel like I mean I don't I wouldn't mind the school introducing it, you know, introducing it first because it's almost like. What age do kids begin to have a mind of their own and be able to um, look at somebody and say, uh, I know that you're different from me and I know you mean me no harm and I'm able to look at our history and look past that and know that that's not you. Mm -hmm. What age do they have that mind to do? Because I feel like that would be an appropriate age. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't know what age that is. I bet we can probably research it and find out. Yeah, because, you know, like, there is uh, a lot of bias of people when they find out, it's find out certain stuff about people. It's like, have you ever had a best friend that didn't like somebody that you were cool with and because she didn't like them, she don't want you to like them either? Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it gets passed down when you find out. Well, you know, when stuff goes down between a certain group of people, it's kind of like you have to pick a side, right? Uh And you definitely, I mean, definitely want to be on the right side, but I don't know. I just don't want to be biased. I want... I want her to make her own decisions on it. I don't know what age. I don't know, Laura. You're asking me really hard questions that I've never had to really consider. You know, like... (laughs) Well, I super appreciate you just letting me just pick your brain. But you know, I don't know. <laughs> I I think it would be super awesome. Like you know, I've said it in some of the other podcasts. I've met people who didn't have to think about race. They didn't have to think about their blackness. Like they just were who they were. Mm-hmm. And then when they moved to America, like mm-hmm. they felt like it was you know everyone is thinking about it all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that they're they were immediately put in this place like you're different you're other um you're less than and so I just wish for all of our 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 next generations that they don't have to know what that feels like but still be able to like embrace and love who they are right so Um, what do you think that is a good time to teach your kid about something like that see I'm I I like that I had a sense of of pride about you know being black and blackness and Mm -hmm. you know um at a young age Mm -hmm. and you know so I don't know I think I could there's a way to do it where you're still not planting seeds of hate you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying um where you know even with the books that they read you know when you're starting to do the starter books and stuff there's more and more authors who 
have, you know, started to let uh, kids of color see themselves in the books. And I think mm-hmm. that's a start, you know, because <laughs> I've had so many people say, you know, they they dropped their child off to kindergarten or first grade and they didn't know that they were black. You know what I'm saying? But some other child pointed it out and they're like, well, what does that mean? You know, so I think I would want to, I would want to shape that first. Yes. Well, that, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But, it, I mean, though, like, that is kind of sad, though, like, that we live in a world where that matters so much. Like you said, there are people that you've interviewed that that come from other countries where that's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, you are who you are. You look the way that you look. You're the color that you're the color. And that doesn't fucking matter. Like, can you do this job or not? You know, yeah. like can you count can you read like are you fit for whatever it is that you're doing in society not oh you're a black person well you probably can't get this job mm-hmm. like i think that that's such a, <clears throat> a fucked up mentality that we as americans have mm-hmm. um and i mean i don't know what to say what else to say about that i just think that like damn it's just fucked up that we have to go through that like and I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying this because I'm a person who's been on, like, both sides of it. Like, it's... Does anyone get tired of it? I know I'm tired of it. Oh, no. Like, it's hard It's called black Uh <laughs> <laughs> And, yes. Uh, yeah. You get t- it's tiring. It, and not only tiring, like, physically, it's mm-hmm. mentally draining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and emotionally and all those things. And so, you know... Um, that's, that's that piece around the, the self-care part that I really, really like push, um, all of the, the people of color that I know to like, make sure that you engage in because just living life regularly, like it's another layer of like, um, push that you have to have because of the microaggressions, because of the, you know, um, you're wondering like, am I crazy? Was that a thing or was that not a thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. did that just happen? And so, yeah, you, you get tired of ha- of it having to keep coming back to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'm wondering what's one wish that you have. No, let me switch it up. Okay. If you could, you know, um, let's just say you could imagine what Tegan's, you know, life will be like by the time she becomes an adult mm-hmm. how would you want things to be different in regards to like race relations um I would I would like for I would like for uh, white people to stop feeling like they're entitled to everything mm-hmm and stop trying to impose in it on everything and you know feeling like they have to be the say all be all like feeling like um this notion that like if you are a black person and you're on top it's an anomaly like it's unheard of but you're the special few that can get through like when is it going to be normalized that black people can do exactly what you can do mm-hmm. but that or better if not are you know like when can we, i want to get to that space like mm-hmm. when you're when you're not looked at like oh you're good enough for a black girl or you're good enough for a dark skin girl or you know stuff like that like what can that be 
gone, you know? <clears throat> I agree. I, I 100%. And I, like, I could just, you know, like, I'm just hoping that we will have that, that type of a world even before Tegan gets 21. Like, we need yeah. that world, like, sooner than later. <laughs> um, and I'm just really, really grateful uh, for the conversation so I know look it, I know it's not easy to multitask and do my color <laughs> and answer all these questions you no, were not ready cool. for so thank you thank you thank you You're and welcome. like if people want to oh yes like I mean organic is good to me like yes. just your just showing up as your organic self is perfect um mm-hmm. for this and so you know I, I go around and ask people what they think about restorative you know equity is that a real thing is it a an appropriate um thing to have forgiveness around you know race relations or you know the fight for equity or whatever is that even an appropriate thing and so I feel like I kind of got your answer in that question because of how you you know don't want to plant certain seeds of hate you know with Tegan and so on and so forth but just still looking for change so I I agree with that and I appreciate you um, now, if people want to find you, how can they find you if they want to get their hair beat up? Because Desiree is, like, so good at what she does. Oh, um, so where can they find you? Well, if you're looking for to get your hair done, if you want to see pictures and stuff like that, you can always look me up on Booksy, um, B-O-O-K-S-Y. And then my name is Desiree Charrier, and I should spell that, is D-E-S-I-R-E-E. C-H-A-R-R-I-E-R. Desiree Charrier. Char- 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 <laughs> Look at that last name. Charrier. Char- <laughs> <laughs> I am <laughs> So look up Desiree Charrier um, and get your hair booked or book appointment for your wife or something um, <laughs> because she is amazing. And again, um, just so much well wishes for Tegan and for your partner um, and just really, really grateful for you. So this is Laura Gray with another episode of Restorative Equity and I will see you all next time.